Hi everyone, and welcome to the March edition of the DistilleryTours.Scot podcast, giving you that wee bit of extra insight from Scotland's whisky distilleries. My name's Nikki Simpson, and in this episode, I spoke to Jonathan Wilson, Visitor Centre Operations Manager at the Dewar's Aberfeldy Distillery. Jonathan tells us what it's like being part of the Bacardi family while living the history of Dewar's, what their other distilleries of Macduff, Royal Brackla, Craigalacky and Altmore bring to his work, and his 182-mile charity cycle which took him to each one, the beauty of blends and the process involved in their double-double 32-year-old, and the surprise bit of wildlife they pulled out of their condenser. If you'd like to find out more about the Dewar's Aberfeldy Distillery, their whisky and their tours, check out distillerytours.scot and click on the Book Now button on their listing. We hope you enjoy it. Start your whisky journey with Caledonian McBrain, proud sponsors of distillery and whisky news podcasts. Visit calmac.co.uk for further information. Today I'm here with Jonathan Wilson from the Jures Aberfeldy Distillery Visitor Centre Operations Manager. How are you doing, Jonathan? Hi there, lovely to be here. Good, good. So tell us about your career in the drinks industry, Jonathan. So I um, should probably go back just before the drinks industry. I did a media studies degree in Scotland. Um, I came up here because I thought I'd be able to ski while I was studying. And in four years, I had one good season of skiing. um, (laughs) What a reason to come to Scotland. (laughs) Yeah, it was missold, if I'm honest. Um, So... Uh, that was great. Um, and while I was up here, young 18-year-old English boy that I was, um, a friend of mine filled a table with miniature bottles of whiskey and in a night taught me all about whiskey, um, which you can imagine was quite a long night, but it kind of sparked a real passion for whiskey. Um, and then I actually managed to get a job with my media degree at the BBC, which was great, um, but I really didn't enjoy sitting in an office all day talking to the same kind of writers and directors and journalists and things. So um, I quit after a couple of years and decided I wanted to go back into retail. That's what I'd done before, um, kind of while I was studying and things. So um, I thought if I'm going to sell something, it might as well be something fun. So I joined Majestic Wines um, and they put me into their shop in Mayfair where I got to try all the really fancy wine and some quite interesting spirits as well. Um, I did the WCT diploma with them. Um, I then moved up to Scotland with my now wife um, and we, I stayed with Majestic for a few years and then um, when we moved to Aberfeldy I kind of moved over and worked with Walmart Whiskies um, and was the first manager of their new concept called the Drinkmonger which is kind of wine, whiskey, rum, cachacha, absinthe, all kinds of kind of fun stuff um, and then the job came, kind of came up at the at Aberfeldy Distillery so um, it was a really nice chance to combine a few different things that I'd done um, and still be kind of involved with consumers and hospitality. Yeah, because um, Aberfeldy is owned by Bacardi, that isn't, is that right? And they, they've right, got a yeah. lot of other different spirits. Can you tell us a bit about them? What do they bring to the table? It's probably our most asked question is, are the Jewish family still involved? Um, and um, sadly, they're not directly anymore, but we do still see a lot of them because we have their, their personal museum on site, which um, is quite nice. So um, over the years, as, as a lot of people know, there's been a lot of kind of uh, mergers and um, joint efforts within the whiskey industry. So um, we've ended up being owned by Bacardi, which is actually still a family business. And um, it's really lovely because we're still very much treated like like family. You know, I got a bonus when my daughters were born and things like that. 
Um, so we've got um, obviously Bacardi out in Puerto Rico. Um, uh, they've got the white rum, but also quite a lot of really nice sipping rums and aged rums. Um, Angel's Envy, um, a very um, uh, nice craft bourbon out in Kentucky. Um, we've got um, a couple of vermouths like Martini and Noily Pratt. Um, Otard Cognac and Bombay Sapphire and Grey Goose as well so some really big iconic brands um, that are obviously very very high quality but also some really nice um, smaller brands as well within the portfolio. You mentioned uh, Angel's Envy there uh, uh, do you do you use any of the bourbon casks at the distilleries I mean at the whiskey distilleries? It's a good question I don't actually know <laughs> um, we we we, we we use a lot of casks so um i'm sure that we do because out in kentucky they can only use the barrels once um okay. but i've never kind of seen that level of detail i've seen a few distillery names on the side of barrels at warehouses and things um but um yeah i i don't know a huge amount about that side of the business do let us know if that ever comes to fruition i'm sure um, people would yeah love to so one it. of the things that we we do and that i've hosted here in Aberfeldy is the the global master blenders conference so we got together Stephanie, who's the master blender here, and Paul, who's the distilling manager, alongside um, the master distillers from, from Bacardi, um, the Henderson family from Angel's Envy, that were the founder's sons at Angel's Envy, um, and um, all the other people from around Bacardi. And they get around the table and they discuss production techniques and they discuss um, new ways of working and sustainability. And it's all about sharing knowledge. And that's really the beautiful thing about being part of a company like Bacardi, that whether it's marketing expertise or distribution channels that's really the the benefits that we get from being part of that bigger company what fun and what about the whiskey distilleries in in scotland tell us a bit more about them because everybody knows aberfeldy but i think the other ones are not so well known huh yeah so john duran sons is still the kind of the name of the scottish arm of the business um so um aberfeldy is the distillery that the dewar family built um, and then we've also got Royal Brackler Distillery, which is up near Inverness, um, just been relaunched um, with lots of awards flowing at the moment for them. Uh, we've got Craig Elkey and Altmore in Speyside. Um, and then we've got Macduff Distillery um, up near Aberdeen. It's usually sold as um, Glen Deverin or the Deverin, um, which is another really lovely flavour profile. And you visited all these distilleries, I hear, in an unusual way. Yeah, last summer, um, a group of us um, decided to cycle between all the distilleries. So we drove up to Macduff and then over four days um, cycled 182 miles back to Aberfeldy. Um, we camped out at the distilleries overnight at, at each place, which was pretty amazing to um, wake up in the morning and open your tent and there's a beautiful still house in front of you. Um, quite a lot of this product sampled once the cycling was finished as well, which was um, good fun. Um, hmm. And at Brackler, we actually had to sleep in the filling store because um, <laughs> there was a massive storm going and the guy that had organized the trip was a terrible snorer. So we had this echoing snoring um, and every time he woke me up, I'd look up and the spirit receiver was above me. So it was a pretty <laughs> memorable night for several different reasons. Um, uh -huh. But we actually, we raised about um, £9,000 for um, the Scottish Association for Mental Health. So it was a really amazing thing to do um, and a great way to, to get a feel for the differences between the sites and the distances. And um, just cycling through Speyside in particular was really amazing. 
that sounds awesome. Well done on, on raising all that money. I was about to ask you about the weather, but you had, was it stormy the whole time or was it just that one night? No, everywhere that we cycled, you'd look across the hills and the next hill along would have rain on it, but we generally avoided it except for this one evening um, at Brackler. So, um, and that was lovely. Carol, who's the manager at Brackler, used to manage Aberfeldy when I first joined. Um, so I know her quite well and she came and kind of joined us for a dram in the filling store. Um, it was just when the new range had been launched and we'd managed to get a bottle of it. So um, it was nice to sort of share some stories and, and, and hide out um, from the rain until until a certain someone started snoring, that was. What an experience, though. You'll never forget that, huh? Um, hopefully. We're, we're, we're kind of planning a, another trip, hopefully, soon as well. So you never know. I might get to do it again. But yeah, it was really special and a really lovely group of guys to do it with as well. So tell us about the history of Aberfeldy and Dures then. So, um, as I said before, this is the only distillery that the family built, um, and John Dewar was actually born just across the, the hills, um, uh, about three miles away from, from this site. Um, at the risk of this turning into a cycling podcast, you can mountain bike <laughs> up to his croft where he was born, and it's just this really simple farm right in the middle of nowhere. Um, and from that, he managed to get himself to Perth and open a shop, um, uh, selling all sorts of different things. You know, we've got... Um, uh, a whole range of spirits in the in the archive that he was selling um, and quite a big list of aquavitae as he used to label it at the time um, and this was um, in the early days of blending kind of 1846 he had a very clear style of quite smooth fruity um, blended whiskies um, and um, fast forward 50 years and his sons built this distillery to supply their dad's shop um, with a, a heart malt, as it were. So they were just um, buying in other people's stock. They'd rented a distillery for a while. Um, and Aberfeldy is very much the family distillery. And it's quite amazing to think that the family walked through the, the room that I'm sitting in at the moment, for example. Um, so um, so that's the kind of the union between Dewar's as a blend and Aberfeldy as a single malt. Um, uh, Aberfeldy was never really sold on its own. Um, until about 2000, um, which was when the visitor centre was built here as well. Um, and that was when Bacardi took over the business. Um, and since then, about 2014, we relaunched the rest of the, the single malt range. And we've slowly been kind of increasing the, the portfolio of Amberfeldy as well with some really exciting things like um, wine cask finishes in the last few years. It's become a, a series of annual releases, um, all of them with really interesting quirks that I enjoy having worked in the wine trade. Um, and likewise, Dewar's has been kind of innovating really hard as well with new cask finish range at, at eight years old um, that's really affordable and easy to kind of pick up and, and look for the differences alongside things like Double Double 32 that's just one best whiskey in the world um, and is a kind of really iconic high-end blend. Double Double 32, I've never heard that um, okay. phrase used before. What does Double Double mean? So um, we have this process called double ageing, which was uh, pioneered by AJ Cameron, who was our first master blender after John Dewar. And um, essentially we assemble the blend from up to 40 different whiskies, malts, grains, lots of different ages. Um, and then after we've done that, instead of bottling it, we put it back into an old barrel, an exhausted barrel for about six months. And it just lets the flavours kind of settle, mellow, um, soften. We think that's where a lot of the smoothness comes from. Um, I do get the odd bottle of um, Dewar's 12 single aged that I can compare to a, a, a commercial release of Dewar's 12 double aged. Um, and it's much, much better integrated and softer and smoother. So we double age all of our whiskies. Um, it's quite an expensive thing to do. Um, and to kind of highlight it, 
we release this range that were called the double doubles. So they effectively do the process twice. They assemble all the single malts and double age those, assemble all the grains and double age those, and then they put them together and double age them again. Um, and to be honest, we did think it was a little bit of a gimmick that it was just trying to highlight this process. But we released it into the market and people went, went absolutely wild for these whiskies. They've all got quite an interesting um, finish with Paolo Cotardo sherry and some of the more unusual um, kind of types of sherry used in them as well. But that level of softness and smoothness and um, uh, the complexity that you get from blended whiskey is just amazing. Um, and I think that's why they've been so successful. They, they sell out constantly. Um, and obviously the 32 year old only has 32 year old whiskies in it or older. So we don't have huge stocks of that. So we literally have to wait for certain barrels to hit their birthday before we can we can do a bottling run. It sounds amazing. Um, it also sounds a bit like dialing it up to 11. <laughs> yeah, it is. And I think that that's, that's the challenge that we sometimes have, that um, even the regular release, um, Jewish 25 year old, which not many people would experience unless they come and they're given a dram of it here. Um, it's kind of, you know, 200 pounds a bottle. Um, so it's not the sort of thing you're gonna pick up on a shelf. Um, mm. There's huge, huge complexity in it, but you really do need to kind of spend a bit of time with it, sip it a few times and, and, and look for the, dip, the range of flavors. So um, that's where I think distillery visitor centers are really important because we can have that level of kind of conversation with people and help to guide them through through their tasting, just as I said, I had as a 18 year old student in Sterling. Yeah, nice. So since COVID, you've done a lot more online. Can you tell us about the different kinds of visitors you get online? Um, yeah, so um, I was actually in Iceland the day that we closed the visitor centre on Friday the 13th of March uh, 2020. And I came in the following Monday and everyone was furloughed and it was just me. And I looked around and thought, oh, what are we going to do? And um, Georgie Bell, who's our global ambassador, um, had just announced she was going to use her own whiskies and um, and do a tasting for all the bartenders that had been furloughed. So I kind of jumped on the bandwagon a bit and said, well, how about if I help you with the fulfillment and stuff like that? And um, and we can kind of work on it together. And we created this community of people starting off mainly with bartenders, but then um, as other people heard about it, they joined in and we peaked at about 120 people um, doing a tasting of Aberfeldy 40. Um, and um, we did all sorts of different things. Some, sometimes it was making cocktails, sometimes it was um, uh, bringing other spirits like Santa Teresa rum or Teeling's um, Irish whiskey. And I think it was really interesting that I kind of really noticed the differences between how people approach dark spirits and whiskey. And, you know, some people are very vocal and want to get into the technical detail. And ABV seems to be the really topical issue at the moment that some people get very excited about. Um, and other people are just happy to kind of sit back and be part of the conversation. But um, no matter what, there were lots of virtual tastings happening. I think, you know, it was really exciting for us to be doing them and still to be talking to people. Um, but the really exciting thing was just the range of of whiskies that people were trying because you could suddenly get these packs of three to five whiskies and you'd sit and go through them with a group of people and it was really nice to see that happening I think. Yeah I guess no limitations um, for the size of the room or anything like that you could just have as many people as you wanted. Did you did you limit them? Did you have like what did you do? Sometimes yeah um, if they got when you get to four pages on a zoom call of scrolling through 
it gets difficult. And I think certainly Georgie's presenting style was very much she wanted people to put their hands up and wave and kind of vote with one hand or another and things like that, show off their cocktails. So I think there's definitely a balance. Um, and obviously virtual tastings have waned somewhat since the peak of lockdowns and things. Um, but it's still a really good way to be able to reach a lot more people than you might have previously. And geographically as well, huh? Exactly, exactly. But um, but again, to be able to say that we managed to get 100 people to try something that's kind of really special and exclusive is, is really what it's all about, I think. I, I, I think um, if you can help people to try something that they might never be able to afford the whole bottle, um, but they can say that they've tasted it in their lifetime and they can understand where those flavours have come from and why the whiskey's special, then that's really nice. Definitely. And I think there's a there's a bit of a barrier there, isn't there, for many people who are interested in whiskey. They don't want to buy the whole bottle, as you say. Yeah, something that I saw, you know, when I worked in Mayfair for Majestic Wines as well. Um, we had some of the best wines in the world that were, you know, £750 a bottle, which felt like an awful lot back then. Um, and the, they were priced out of the market and they might have been drinking some of these expressions for generations. Um, and all of a sudden, um, price prices inflate and, and they can't get them anymore so um yeah with wine you get these enotech machines that kind of keep it fresh and you just pay by the by the almost by the dram i was going to say but by the shot um and it's a similar idea here as well that we've got a really lovely range as i said we've got five distilleries plus the blends um so the challenge that we have on site is really helping people to navigate what they're going to enjoy the most and what's going to be the most appropriate whiskey for them to try What's it like in person then? Is it quite different? Um, it has been. It, yeah, we've, we, we normally welcome about 42,000 visitors a year, so that's changed an awful lot. But what we've found is that the, the tour sizes have reduced. Obviously, it's much more UK-based um, at the moment, so the language barrier isn't necessarily always there. Um, and we've just had a lot more time to talk to people and to kind of make connections with people when they visit. So... Um, I think the thing that I always enjoyed about retail when I was really on the front line was um, that you could ask people questions, try and get to the, the bottom of what it was they liked and then help them to choose an appropriate product. Um, and that's really what we've been doing is we've been you know, having the time to talk to people about what they like or what they don't like about whiskey and then whether that's then recommending a cocktail or recommending one of the softer blends um, as a kind of first whiskey for them to try. Um, it's been really, really good fun having the time to, um, you know, to match people's expectations with the experience that we can give them. Yeah, I remember talking to Paul McDonough about this. About he owns the uh, the Bon Accord in Glasgow. Yeah, he was saying that he asks everybody that comes into the bar. He says, you know, what do you normally drink? And that I'd always seen that as quite a kind of not exactly attacking, but mm -hmm. I always felt a little bit defensive if anybody ever asked me that. Yeah, because I didn't realise why. But then after speaking to him, he said, well you know, once I know what you like, then I can recommend a whiskey based on that because then I know whether you have, you know, a sweet tooth or you like yeah. things smoky Yeah, we welcomed um, the team from the Balmoral and I said exactly the same thing to them. You get these people that come off the train at Waverley, they're on holiday in Scotland and the Balmoral is the first bar that they've heard of and that they've seen. They come up to the bar and they've decided they want to be a whiskey drinker. What do you do? And they genuinely <laughs> said they give them Aberfeldy. But aside from that, it's, <laughs> it's a very unwelcoming category, um, whiskey, because you've got single malts and blends. You've got age statements and no age statements. You've got young and old and you've got finishes. And do you add water? Do you, can you have a cocktail? 
if you wake up in the morning and decide to be a whiskey drinker, it's a really difficult category to kind of crack it, crack it into and not feel intimidated or like you've made a mistake. So um, it shouldn't be like that and it should be a welcoming category and hopefully um, most people in the industry are, are pushing towards that and it's certainly our goal here in Abathaldi. You were saying that you, you know, because of that, you run the WSET spirits classes now as well. Do you find that you get consumers going on that or is that mostly bar trade? Yeah, so we, we do um, level one and two in spirits um, here at the distillery. Um, I did, was lucky enough to do the diploma at Majestic Wines, covering kind of wine and spirits. And WSET courses are very flavour-led. Um, so it's about looking at a production process and then tasting that in a, in a spirit. So level one in particular is really great for consumers that are just wanting to learn a little bit more. Um, and it's a kind of one day course with a 30 question exam at the end and um, you get an a off-call certified um, qualification at the end and stuff. So it's a really nice thing to do. Um, and it's just really good fun to see where those conversations go. Um, level two is probably more aimed at um, bartenders and people that work in the trade. Um, we use it for our staff training as well. Um, but we have had consumers that join on that as well. They're just really um, excited about the spirits, want to learn more. Um, and, you know, whether you're a, a, a dark rum drinker that wants to become a whiskey drinker or a whiskey drinker that wants to see what the different, you know, move into bourbon or something. Um, I think that um, there's, a, there's a lot of fun to be had just exploring the differences in production processes. Mm, yes, it sounds fun to us. <laughs> um You've also got a geek tour, is that right? That doesn't that you don't advertise? Yeah, so this was something that was created by um, one of our tour guides. Uh, very unashamedly, he gets um, a high vis that says "geek" across the back of it, um, and it's really for those those consumers or, or, or um, whiskey enthusiasts that have already seen a dozen mash tons um, and really want to get under the skin of the distillery a little bit more. It's a little bit more technical. We spend a little bit more time talking about things like fermentation temperatures and um, and going into exactly what's going on um, inside the mash tun or cut points and, and how we select those sort of things. Um, there's a more in-depth tasting and things as well. Um, and it's really just, I think, the, the range of different visitors we get here from people that were on holiday and kind of when in Rome, what do you do if you're in Scotland, you visit a distillery. Um, they've maybe never had the, uh, had a whiskey before, through to the people that have that have been to lots of distilleries. Um, it's trying to make sure that there's something that's appropriate to everyone, um, which is great if they're all on different tours, but if they're all on the same tour, um, that's where we spend a lot of time with our tour guides, um, trying to make sure that they understand how much detail to go into um, for the different people that are visiting. Yeah, I guess it can be easy to get carried away, huh? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, especially if we've got a few people in the crowd who are asking questions and so on. Yeah, yeah, but it's always good fun. And and that's where I think the tasting at the end is the really important thing that um, you can kind of sit down and there'll always be certain people at the tasting that um, will spend a lot lot more time sitting and asking questions. And they've obviously got these burning things they want to know. And certainly I still do the occasional tour at the distillery when they're they're desperate. Um, So I'll always, you know, caveat it with this is your, your... potentially your one and only chance to ask any burning questions you've got about whiskey so don't be shy and make sure that you do you do speak up anything bad ever happen on these tours um never of course not um <laughs> uh, no we've um the, the, i think the best story we've had on site is um, one of the storm and told me he pulled an eel out of our condenser once so uh, it was in the, it was in the chilling water rather than the um rather than the actual whiskey or the low wines but um, he heard something splashing around and he went upstairs and and there was a big eel swimming around so um, 
uh, yeah, it wasn't part of a tour, but it was the best story. Where do you get your water from? Does your water come, presumably? So it comes from the Patilly Burn. It's a stream just at the back of the site. Um, and that's the nice thing about our story, I think, that um, there was a distillery at the top of the hill which used that stream. And we've got that in the archive to show that the Dewar family had that in the shop, the Patilly Distillery. And um, when that distillery closed, they started using the Patilly Burn. So um, it's a very plentiful source of water, but there's quite a lot of streams along the valley. Um, and that particular one flows through a gold mine. So we think that that's the kind of that really tiny microscopic element that is slightly different to some of the other streams that um, is special. And that's why we call Aberfeldy the Golden Dram. Um, and all our packaging has got this lovely black and gold kind of layout, which is quite handy for us. It makes us stand out. Um, so a source of gold, a source of water and a source of eels. How, how yes. wonderful. <laughs> yes. And beavers as well. We've just oh. got we've just got some beavers um, in the dam as well. So they're causing havoc, um, cutting trees down and things. Um, so quite an abundant kind of range of wildlife at Aberfeldy as well. Lovely. What's your favourite whiskey then? Is it one from Aberfeldy or one from your neighbouring distilleries, sister distilleries? Yeah, I think Aberfeldy 21 is the one that stole my heart. So um, we have some lovely special editions. Um, I do a car show every year where I can pretty much bathe in Craig Ellicke 31 if I want to. Um, <laughs> but Aberfeldy 21 is just a really lovely example of what you get from a slightly older whiskey. So Aberfeldy 12, we talk about citrus and honey a lot as the, the key flavour profiles. With Aberfeldy 21, it's oranges and um, it's marmalade and fudge. So it's kind of more mature versions of the same flavours, but just the smoothness that you get, there's no burn whatsoever um, from that extra time in the barrel. And it's a really lovely way as a retailer, I've always looked at, well, what do people really get for their money? Um, so whenever we get into kind of exciting limited editions and um, single cast whiskies and all these things I do really love, I always think back to Aberfoldy 21 because again, it's always available with a single cask. Once you've fallen in love with it, you finish it and you can't get it again. But Aberfoldy 21 is always there. It's always available. Mm. And I think it's you know, similar to the reason why we blend whiskey in general, um, that blended whiskies are kind of always there and always consistent as well. Yes, and amazingly so, I think, just thinking about all the different ingredients that go into that to keep that consistency. It's just wonderful. Absolutely. So what would you suggest to anyone trying whiskey for the very first time or interested in getting to know whiskey better? So... Um, the whiskey that I always kind of go to at home is Dewar's 12-year-old. Um, I think blends are, are often overlooked and one of the real privileges that I have on site here is that I'm kind of representing blended whiskey as well as single malt whiskey. Um, and Dewar's 12-year-old is a 12-year-old blend, so every single drop, including the grain whiskey, is at least 12 years old. Um, and from that you get a lot of complexity, so you get this really, really diverse range of flavours, um, up to 40 different whiskies that all add a different flavour. Um, and then you get kind of in, um, uh, smoothness coming from the grain whiskey. So it's easier to pick up and enjoy. There's a lovely sweetness to it, um, but there's a lot there. And, and that's what I'll just normally sit in front of the TV and enjoy. You can nose it as, as much as you're, you're sipping it and um, you can always find something new in it. So um, for people that want to get started, of course, they can come and visit a distillery and they can talk to us and, and what have you. But um, if you just want to pick something up, um, I think, again, with my WSCT hat on, it's all about having a vocabulary and being to, being able to describe what you're drinking, which is the hardest thing, I think. And just starting slow, you know, is it fruity? Is it sweet? Is it is it nutty? If you think it's fruity, um, is it citrus? 
fruit, stone fruit, orchard fruit, if it's citrus fruit, is it oranges? And you can kind of go down a funnel and, and, and it's definitely something that you can learn. Um, I know because I had a terrible palate when I joined the drinks industry. So it's really get, get a glass in your hand, find something that's got some complexity and just have some fun thinking about what the flavours are. Thank you. What great advice. Jonathan, it was so nice talking to you today. Thanks very much for your time. No problem at all. It's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot. If you've enjoyed hearing from Jonathan and would like to know more about the Dewar's Aberfeldy Tours and Whiskies, visit their dedicated page on the distillerytours.scot website and click on the Book Now button to join one of their exciting whisky experiences and tastings. Or if limited edition whiskies and gifts is your thing, browse their online store at shop.dewars.com for a range of Scotch whiskies and accessories. Distillerytours.scot has every whisky distillery visitor centre in one place. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram, or sign up for our Distillery and Whiskey News monthly email to hear the podcast first at distillerytours.scot forward slash sign up. We'll be back speaking to another distillery next month. We look forward to seeing you then.